Manor. Hello, welcome to the Tip Manor podcast. I messed it up again. Two Tip Manor podcast. There's no need for the the, but I'm still doing it anyway. Um, who have we got on today's show? This is going to be a weird structure to the to the episode today, just like the structure of society is collapsing all around us. Nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. What a what a what a positive way to start. <laughs> um, Connor, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm uh, not coughing and spluttering just yet, so I'm all right. Good. Are you extremely right. bored like myself? I, do you know what I did yesterday? I, is I went to gosh. a garden centre and bought nothing, and then came home. That's what, that's what I achieved. Crikey. Garden centres. That's <laughs> that's bad. That yeah. I mean, at least you keep it away from other people. Going to garden centres. Um, you know, uh, no, I'm, I've, I've been indoors all day today, to be fair. I've just been uh, playing FIFA with a few friends and, you know, catching up and whatever. But yeah, I've, uh, I've made the decision that I'm not leaving Northern Ireland for the foreseeable future. So um, we'll, we'll see yeah. how that works out, won't we? Yeah, I've seen so. a lot of people have been taking to FIFA, a lot of people going to Football Manager to try. I think, oh. Jack, you, you put a reasonable tweet out, didn't you, saying it would be good if they like football manager did a patch from now so you could start a season from now with the current squad and set up yeah like one of those mini challenges that you get um i think be quite well they're normally quite innovative so they, they you never know they might bring something there yeah definitely i'd be all over that if they did that put the put the phd to the put the phd to the side we'll just get off footy manager you you won't get to see mark sykes as well connor when he's because uh, of his international cap will no doubt not happen. It's all bad news oh, for you. Yeah. Oh Christ! Don't, I'm sure, don't like Con- if Connor follows. I bet you follow around Mark Sykes on the FIFA stream on your screen, just trying to get and catch his eye. He's not real. If, he, if he's if he comes back to Belfast, I'll follow him in Belfast as well. <laughs> um, wow! <laughs> big revelation. Big, bit, 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 little bit creepy. Yeah, John, we have you been doing any panic buying? No, well, I've I've just been down in the um, Cotswolds for a weekend, like just on the edge oh. of, on the, on the edge of Wiltshire, but not in it. So Gloucestershire. Oh. So, all right, all right, but yeah. it is like Stay another world because down there. Because if it hadn't been for like the news, it would have just been like walking nice pubs all that stuff and then you like look at your phone and you're like what on earth is, is going on because the world was totally normal down there um, and then I got back to yeah. Leeds and there was just you know well there weren't fights everywhere but who knows no it's, it's everything's a bit weird at the moment Jack because your intro was a bit brief if you had to pick one item to panic by what would it be <laughs> <laughs> I always come to Jack for these questions oh, okay. <laughs> um, hobnobs Oh, good choice. Oh, great shout. Well done. <laughs> Correct answer. Fantastic. Right, um, yeah, as I said, this is going to be a slightly weird pod, but I think people will be expecting that anyway. Our match review is going to be a review of COVID-19, and we'll get onto that in a second. Um, COVID-19, Oxford United nil. Yeah. Well, hey. It feels like that. It does, anyway, right. It? Let's let's get on to the news. So, the first bit of news was that Nathan Holland obviously picked up that hamstring injury against Shrewsbury first half, and he he tore tore his hammy. Um, he was out obviously 
out for the season or as it was publicized out for the season but is he out for the season now john well, when is the season concluded? I don't think we should get into this quite yet, but it's interesting. No, I mean, how convenient for him to be injured with no football to miss. Um, I mean, he could be playing season 2020, 2021. Who knows? But yeah, let's um, let's get to that debate in a bit. Well, I think it's I don't think it's too controversial that one. We've got to finish this season, though, haven't we? Yeah. Um, happy things. There was a, a nice looking evening. Uh, to celebrate 10 years since the the 2010 playoff victory against York. It was hosted by Nathan Cooper from the BBC. It all looked very, Everyone looked very smart, didn't they, in the pitches, Jack? Oh, yeah, very swish. Even the uh, kind of footballers that you don't think scrub up very well looked uh, extremely uh, swish. Even Mickey Lewis. Uh, yeah, that was going to be my next yeah. point. He, yeah. Uh, he... Whilst he still looked a little bit trampy, sorry, Mickey, if you listen to this, but I don't think you do. He, he you know, you know, he still scrubbed up all right. Yeah, I still that... uh, expect him that he went round kicking people, like whilst he was walking <laughs> to the bar and stuff. Good, good old mad dog. Well, whilst we've had lots of like, and we'll get on the like nice little stories that came out of it, you still feel like there was a layer that we don't know about that night. Like, surely there was a goal recreation, like later on in the evening, to like. Alfie Potter to score the last one, like they cleared the dance floor or whatever and just sort of started recreating and all that sort of thing. But I did like how there were no sort of like formal, not many formal pictures, but just loads of pictures of people like holding bottles of beer. <laughs> like just classic. I was curious. I was really curious to see if, if Sam Deering still looked 12 years old, but I don't think he was there. Or at least I didn't see any pictures of him. No, I don't think he was. Blast from the past, that. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple of interesting stories in the. Um, Chris Williams kind of write up from it. One of them was that uh, Sandwith was saying that they were getting smashed celebrating for four or five days before the the bus parade. Did any of you guys go to that bus parade where it ended up on Broad Street? No, I was up here. No, no. Even though I lived in Oxford at that point, I was, I'm not sure where I was actually. I might have been on holiday actually. In school? <laughs> I, uh, wow, what's that? Ten years ago? Yeah, I was in school, mate. Yeah, I was. Well, it wasn't a test. Yeah. Of course, it I was. Wasn't no, statement. I know, I know. I mean, you know, we're going to go yeah. talk about ages, John. Don't be jealous. I'm younger than you, mate. Come on. You're not. You're not that young. <laughs> younger than me. Any- ah, I'm 20. I'm 23, mate. Come on. I'm, I'm still a young I- boy. I remember leaving. I was working in one of the colleges, and I just walked out the door when my, before my shift ended, just so I could go. So oh, it, was great. it was a great time. Anyway, the story. The story you've always, was. You've always been a bit hard, haven't you, James? Absolutely. That's what I want. <laughs> That's the pers- perspective I want. Um, yeah, Samwick was saying that him and Potter, like the the bus, got towards town, and then um, they were like, "Right, we really need a piss. Um, we need to be tactical about this before we get you know stuck in the middle of in the centre around amongst fans." So they nipped off the bus, went into a, a pub to the toilet. When they came back out, the bus was half a mile away or something and then i love the idea of alfie potter jumping on someone's handlebars what would you call I, we used to call this a fronty not a backy but a fronty yeah is that yeah, the same with a, you guys yeah oh no yeah. in, so a in uh, growing up in york we called it a croggy a croggy. croggy oh god that sounds like a weird <laughs> sexual thing sexual thing give him a croggy <laughs> James, James, stop. Sorry. Uh, I'm glad John said it before I did. Anyway, um, I just found it funny, the picture of Alfie Potter on someone's, the front of someone's handlebars. Nice flattery basket. I did a bit of an explanation. I remember from the 
Wembley DVD, you suddenly see Potter appear on a bike, and it that it, you know that's kind of explained it for the first time in ten years. There you go. That makes a lot of sense. I think someone needs to Photoshop like the ET thing with Potter's face on. <laughs> um, the other weird, there was a weird comment about Adam Chapman. I couldn't quite understand this one, but it was saying that um, his favorite, Chris Williams's favorite hug of the night was uh, kind of walking out of where the main event was taking place. And he found Adam Chapman um, overhydrated. It was termed sitting in the dark in the downstairs bar. And Chapman said, I love everyone in that room. Um, but there are too many memories, and I can't go in. I'll come back another time, though. So does that say it suggests he wouldn't didn't go in and celebrate or like? Yeah, I, I took it as that. I didn't get it. Or yeah, so he didn't he didn't go in. I presume it was related to the personal issues that he had around the time of that playoff final, and yeah, it just yeah. brought it brought it all coming back. Yeah, he yeah. might have got carried away. That's too true. Quickly. I forgot about that. And Which then is probably fair enough to be fair. Out. Oh. Fair play. He was such a good lad, wasn't he, when he was with us? I'll never forget that free kick away at Burton when we yeah. ruined their party. That was fantastic. <laughs> um, Ryan Clark was getting pelters, wasn't he? Well, considering the damage he did to all of our heart rates for like the entire second half, <laughs> deserves it really. Like... No, not not Clarky. You know he's you know he's my favourite. Oh. Who are? Um, and then Jack, you you were you were talking about the Wilder interview on Yellow Player just before we came on. Yeah, it was um, a really good kind of piece, really, because I was expecting it to be a bit kind of, oh yeah, wasn't it a great night ten years ago? It's great to see all the lads. Da, 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 da. By the way, did you know I'm a Premier League manager now? But <laughs> he actually came across really well. I think he does genuinely still care and looks back on his time at Oxford really favourably. Um, he said something along the lines of, you know, it's great to be part of the kind of rehabilitation of the club and it's great to see, you know, where we are now. Um, I did find it interesting. We got a little anecdote from someone who was there saying that Chris Wilder actually brought Chapman and Jake Wright down with him. Um, so he was kind of a little mini Chris Wilder minibus going on. And the other one that was quite an interesting anecdote is that Kelvin Thomas brought Mickey Lewis I can't imagine the conversation in their car share. No, no. Well, Mickey Lewis just growls anyway, doesn't he? So, <laughs> but I mean, I, I connect with that. I mean, I, I had the, I met Chris Wilder through the airport I used to work at, and he came down as Sheffield United manager, and their head of commercial introduced me as an Oxford fan, and we had a good little chat for five ten minutes, and he, he was genuinely like, "What a great club! Absolutely loved it down there." Didn't end the way I wanted it to, but. And you, you could tell he, he really cared, and and he, I thought it might have been a bit awkward when I was introduced because you know we don't really still to this day know exactly what happened with it. But no, he was, he was a really good guy. So I, yeah. think, I think he's um, not rehabilitated himself with Oxford fans. That's a bit of a stretch, but I think we're all fully behind him, and it was what it was yeah. at the time. Yeah, I, I mean Chris Wilder is always going to have a little bit of a special place in our hearts. I think, yeah, Oxford fans purely because of just what he did for us. I mean. For me, he was the first manager that I, you know, I really got behind as an Oxford fan as a as a young lad, and obviously what he did for the club. And now looking where he is, you know, in the Premiership and doing really well with Sheffield United, I think it's brilliant to see. And fair play to him. Hats off. Well, my yeah, time watching Oxford, absolutely. he was the first manager that actually stuck around for longer than two seasons. <laughs> we he was our manager for like seven years or seven or eight years or something like that. 
and before that it was chop change chop change every two minutes so that was for me was always a big thing about him it was a really shrewd appointment wasn't it that we made when we got him in where was he before halifax or something but he'd done it at that level before and we could have been we're oxford united We, we you know we need to get someone with league experience but we didn't we didn't do that and we're we're kind of like the platform for his career right you know he's been promoted from every level but he had to start somewhere and we gave him that chance but he definitely paid us back so he's a good lad i like him a lot um we had the five minute fan forum five minutes fan forum i can never say that right five minute fans forum and this time we had a uh, tim davis who's the finance director on it i think um jack you listened to this as well the one thing that really um stood out for me is he was saying that we made a 4 million loss per year due to our kind of competitive if basically if we carried on going like we are going now in at this level we'd make a 4 million loss per year due to our competitive wage budget and if you don't factor in cup runs for which we made i think he said one just over 1 million 1.2 million this year on for the cup runs which is decent right but the only way that we can fund that kind of loss is by selling our players and it doesn't really align with the whole we don't need to sell phrase that we've heard a few times but perhaps you know the owners are so happy to cover debt but i just don't know you know i'm not an accountant i don't know if that poses a greater risk to the club but yeah any anything stand out to you jack from that um i just think it just brings home the reality of the situation we're in with the ground issue the size of club we are um, the kind of model we've got, if you like, we need to sell players to get by, and I think we we all know that kind of if we search for it in our in our minds, but we kind of like to think that everything's hunky dory in the background. But I think he mentioned the point. Um, he got asked of the four million pound loss, uh, how much is that kind of down to not not owning the stadium? I think yeah. he said it's kind of 500k to 750k depending how successful we are or not. So I mean that's a that's a huge figure just to be essentially throwing out the window as soon as the season starts. Um all all down to the stadium issue. So he I think he speaks really well. He poor bloke though. He got wheeled out last year when <laughs> we uh <laughs> yeah. were having uh, HMRC knocking on our door every 5 minutes and then obviously Within three hours of his appearance on uh, the fans' forum, the uh, kind of news was being uh, highlighted about all the various losses and things like that. But what I didn't realise, I think a lot of people on Twitter didn't realise this, was that those figures were up to June 19. So, of course, it doesn't include the Gavin White sale, the Baptiste, the Fozu sales, and as you say, that cut money. So you would hope that, adding all that back into the pot that next year's figures might look a little bit less concerning. Yeah, they uh, they should be the the acid test of whether the the, the work and the investment the board's put into to stabilize. They've made references in the past about having to invest a lot more than they thought they would to stabilize. As as I take it simplistically, these accounts are basically taking in all the arbitration problems, all those things that you just mentioned and the next set are the ones that will sort of really see how we're going. I thought the level of debt as well indicated that they must have had to really put in more than they expected to. The stuff around kind of 
some of its debt, which the onus will never have to replay, replay, I think is always going to cause some slight ambiguity. The profit and loss thing I thought was kind of a bit overplayed. Like, you, you know, I've worked for companies where you don't put that into accounts just purely because you don't, you don't need to. But if you're a listed company, you have to put everything out there. If you're not, you can choose what you want to and what you're not. So it's, it's kind of this whole, oh, we need transparency. We need transparency. Well, for some things you don't as a business have to, and it, it doesn't necessarily help your case to do that because there's so much nuances in these things that we just can't know about. There, on the the loans thing, I I remembered on one of the pods we talked about how those loans were kind of put in place and that type of thing, and any kind of criteria that was was there around them. Oh, and the, I went back to the, the notes from the pod in. Yeah, so it basically said one of the criteria was that the club reached the Premiership by 2025. And at the time, Oxfox, I think this was in, it was either in August or December. I think it might have even been in August, but Oxfox, Oxfox were contacting Tim Davis, who's obviously the guy that was on Fans Forum, to clarify what portion of the debt that condition covered. It was in December, sorry. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting that. I don't... I. I I don't. It would be good to get some kind of clarity. It's a shame no one remembered to go back and ask that question. But um, the only Connor, what do you reckon in terms of the the thing? Like, does it put too much pressure on us to make sure we find those young startlets that may could be sold for up to two, three, four million pounds just to make sure we can, t- you know, we're not making massive lo- losses year on year. I imagine that sort of thing is is quite a priority for the scouting team anyway, trying to find those sort of players that you can attract into the club, develop over a short period of time and potentially sell on. I mean, we've seen it on numerous occasions with players and obviously we, most recently we've seen it with White in particular, uh, Fosu. And I think Baptiste is maybe a little bit of a and uh, a bit different than that case because obviously he was, he was brought in when he was much younger and we've developed him and sold him on. Um, but I think the the Gavin White kind of player was a, a perfect example of the scouting system, how it worked, the way he came in, the effect he had on our team during his season with us, and then obviously the profit we then made from him selling them on. So yeah, yeah. I, I imagine that is arguably one of the top priorities, I imagine, for uh, a lot of the scouts that work with Oxford and the scouting team in general. Um, I just think... Again, I wonder how this dynamic would change if we got promoted to the championship because you start then having to think about, well, we need to build a solid enough starting eleven that would be you know, competitive in, in a higher division. But then also the money situation in terms of what you can spend on a player and not just spend in terms of a transfer fee, but also the wages. I know it's something we're going to talk about a bit later on with wages yeah. in the championship. Um, it's a, It's a very difficult time I think if we got promoted in terms of who who we'd bring in but I also think that the the Atkinson deal obviously when we brought in uh, him in January from um, Eastleigh he's he's probably one of those players that that might end up becoming you know the the um, Baptiste-esque type player that you know we bring in we develop and then potentially sell on so you can see clearly see how it operates and that we are we are sort of bringing in those sort of players yeah. Being competitive in the championship, Jack, that question was obviously asked and the Tim, let's call him Tim. Tim 
said that the the revenue from TV money is around six million that you get. And again, I don't know what we get today, but it'd have been good to know that. But yeah, I, I guess it's all just context specific, isn't it? If we get up um, in that league, you can only still really spend within your means. And we, we talked about last week how the average salary in that league could be between 10 and 15,000. It's just, it's kind of difficult to comprehend at this moment in time, isn't it? Well, it's a, it's a whole different world. I mean, you talk about, say, an 11K average. Well, there's no way we could afford to have a starting 11 being paid that and with some players more. Um, so we'd probably yeah. be relying on some good, solid season-long loans again, which I don't I don't mind that because that's what we have to do. But I think as a, as a fan base, if this season does get finished and we go up, I think we all have to be incredibly realistic that we'd be fighting to stay up from day one because we're not going to go out and sign 10, 11 championship proven players because we just can't afford to pay what they'll be wanting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I did like how as soon as the... Cause before the Tim Davis went on that on Radio Oxford, there was something leaked, wasn't there, by someone from the University of Liverpool that was looking at our accounts and just saying, sure. kind of painting it in red and lots of terrifying numbers all yeah. over the place. But then you had the Oxford fans kind of jumping on that. Not all Oxford fans, obviously, but there was a good proportion of Oxford fans jumping on that kind of where, kind of saying, like, why, what are we doing? Why, you know, why are we spending this much money? Spend within the means. Then you think back a few weeks and it's all, where's the ambition? Why aren't we spending the money? Why are we selling players? So hopefully in the last few weeks, it's put more of a balance or it's put more perspective on things that people can kind of remember the fact that we are in this position and we've got a board and it seems a pretty switched on finance director that will be looking at these things at all times. So it's a good place to be, I think. Um. Right, I'm afraid we're going to have to move on to COVID chat. Here we go. Yeah. Right. Go on, James. Set the uh, set the old James Bond music going. I don't think we're going to do that. No, let's not do that. <laughs> no. Um, I was... Uh, well, we were inv- invited on... Onto Radio Oxford yesterday, along with the Fence End guys, Steve Kinnebra, uh, Jerome, and um, who else was there? Dave Pritchard from the Oxford Mail, purely to talk for an hour around around this. So I'm going to hold back on most of my chatter and let you boys put your opinions forward. But generally, I think there's been obviously a load of developments this week. Our game against MK was canned pretty close to the time, right? And um, yeah. Yeah. Let's John John, let's start with you. Like what what should the EFL and Premier League do with the remainder of the season from from your perspective? I think we've got to finish this season when we can. I mean, if it comes to it and it takes months to finish this season and there's lots of nuances that we'll need to cover off like players contracts and insurance and all that sort of thing, but and finances to the club, but you could have a shorter next season or Void next season if you need to, and just as long as you finish this one and everyone knows where they're going to be. That's an extreme example of voiding next season if it really dragged on. But we've got to finish yeah. this season. The games have got to be can't be played behind closed doors. It's not fair on the players. Like I found Steve Kinnebra's comments about players just want to play. That's you know generalizing a, a bit quite 
odd when you look at other players. Um, Wayne Rooney's done a big interview this weekend in the Sunday papers where he talks about how he really, he really didn't want to play, and yeah. they had a really, really late decision to to on whether their game was gonna gonna happen. Um, I think the EFL made the correct decision to do it quickly to suspend games. Um, in Italy, they made a right um, show of it in that they went behind closed doors, and then some players started to contract. Then. They paused games just before they were about to start, waiting for updates from the Italian FA, and it became an absolute chaos. And there were still fans going to some games and not, and it, it just got very messy. And in terms of the season being finished, um, it was a good, clean decision. But I think the challenges around players' contracts will get quite interesting because we're talking yeah. about 10, 14 weeks before the peak might might happen. So as much as we all want to be at Rochdale on April the 4th, um, it's just I can't see how that's gonna gonna happen. But yeah. the finances of the clubs I think is gonna be really interesting, and clubs might have to make some quite ruthless decisions on some players because they'll be hemorrhaging money as well. Yeah, the, we forgot to mention that actually. Tim Davis did say the recent player sales and the fact that we project that we would lose up to half a million if games were played behind closed doors. The club weren't immediately concerned about that which was nice to hear as in we have some cash flow that we can utilize type thing um so that's good to know but again it's not that's definitely not going to be the case that other clubs in league one and league two have just sold players for a combined fee of over three or four million or whatever it was so yeah connor what what are your views on all of it i think if we're looking at it purely from a financial point of view i kind of follow what um a friend of mine who works at uh, Sheffield Harlem University, he's a football finance expert. And um, he wrote, or well, he was part of a, of a post in, in various news outlets, including the BBC this week. And he kind of gave his two cents on clubs in the lower leagues. And he, and he said that, you know, clubs in, in League One, uh, you know, they're accounting two thirds or three quarters even of their, of their revenue from match day operations. And that's, you know, that's still beyond just fans going through the turnstiles. There's various other things yeah. where money comes in. You know, we look at, um, you know, the, 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 the sale of, of food and drink and all that sort of stuff on top of things. Mugs. Yeah, mugs. mugs. Yeah, mugs. Plenty of mugs for me that I end up smashing and then buying again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, plenty of those. Um, and obviously this, what potentially what he said was, depending on how long this goes on for. And, you know, none of us are in a position to predict when this will situation will clear up. You know, we might end up seeing some more berry type situations occurring where clubs are just, like you say, just hemorrhaging money. Um, and, you know, we know that clubs, for example, um, Rotherham who and, and Charlton Athletic and those sort of clubs that, you know, regardless of where they are in their, in their league system, and how they're doing, they they struggle financially, and you know they're two decent sized clubs, but they still struggle on a financial level, and this could potentially be the tipping point for some clubs. So, I think it's interesting to see what would happen to these clubs if something you know went drastically wrong over the next X amount of weeks or months, and what kind of input the EFL or the Premier League would have in that. In terms of you know would would we almost see like a rescue mission type thing from certain clubs in terms of injecting finances? Um, 
it's a, it's certainly a worrying time though for the for the lower league clubs in particular because the bigger clubs can sustain themselves. You know, the Premier League clubs they'll they they would be fine. It's definitely the the lower divisions. This includes yeah. National League as well. You know, we've got to think about them. I mean, I know that their games weren't cancelled this weekend, which in my eyes was ridiculous. You know, if we're going to follow suit oh, all the way ridiculous. down the foot, yeah, if we're going to follow suit from Premier League down, we go right down into the lower leagues of football. I mean, for me, if if you've got sixty thousand go into a, a big game in the Premiership, but you've still got six hundred or even three hundred, whatever, go into lower league games in national league they still need to be cut completely because it's, it's player safety as well and this sort of thing at the end of the day we're, we're human beings just because they play football or you're a fan we're still in a situation that you know affects all of us so there, i think there that was record, a a record attendances at like south shields and and somewhere else i saw that had ridiculous attendances just off the back of this coming back to your yeah, football, expert, want to watch Connor, football did he say anything about yeah, um if clubs can't play games because i.e. the league says you are not allowed to play games is there any sort of like comeback or a clawback i mean could we get not have to pay our rent essentially or some sort of yeah is there any sort exactly. of like insurance type stuff that we can go look we it's like when you know i That's... can't go on holiday because my flight's yeah. been cancelled i don't is there anything yeah. you mentioned that about what clubs can claw back or it doesn't That's, seem like that's a, a very thing, touchy really. Yeah, it's a very touchy subject about holidays being cancelled as my mum and dad's holiday has been cancelled today. So, uh, you know, shout out to them. But good, I'm glad it was. Um, <laughs> but the in terms of the in terms of the post, um, from what I read, there wasn't really much mentioned on that. I would, to be honest with you, I'd be more than happy to drop him a message and actually ask him outright. Because, I, again, I agree with you. I think it'd be really interesting uh, to find out kind of where where a club like ours would sit with that. Because, obviously, we pay rent to... Sam, don't we? So, you know, is it a club by club basis, or like you say, is there legislation in place that covers this? I, I, I wouldn't get probably just that. a. It's probably just a lump sum in that you rent the stadium and you can do what you want with it within. Well, I know that's probably a bit simplistic. Yeah, if you to be interesting. Sorry. What James. was the what's the old Palace owner's name? Simon Jordan. 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 He was just talking on Talksport um, before I came on here, and he was talking around that area around teams being covered and you would have thought he would have been relatively in the know more than more than most and he didn't suggest there was anything along those lines yeah. and he, he felt that it was a case of the footballing community in terms of the Premier League um, needs to be supporting the EFL be it that the Premier League wouldn't really necessarily be what it was without the EFL Absolutely. behind Defin- it oh definitely thing. so it's like, definitely yeah they've got to like they've got to support the the EFL clubs, basically. The pandemic yeah, well, clause does sound unlikely to be in existence for football clubs, <laughs> but you never know. Yeah. Well, right. I, I read I read a really interesting article um, yesterday, and I tweeted about it, and it was it was titled um, "Coronavirus Sport and the Law of Frustration and, and Force Majeure," and it's basically a, a law based um, article, and he kind of spoke about how these these um, these events, like you said, like a pandemic, how they're not put into legislation per se, but they're, they're put under the term force majeure, which basically means it's like a requirement. If something happens where a club or a league has to physically stop, like or has to shut down because of an event, which in this case, a pandemic is, is that event, um, that, that, that there are measures in place, but they don't physically spell out 
what those are if you know what i mean it's almost like a very ground level kind of thing but like, you know if if we have to stop then these are the certain levels of things that have to recur but i'm not sure how that would work on a financial level um mm. and again this is something that i would happily ask dan about because he'd probably be more in the know than, than most people because it's his profession to study this sort of stuff so yeah i mean if I, i'd happily go and do that and maybe even next week if we pop up on a podcast next week see what he see what he says it'd be interesting to know see if Francis yeah, coming on. on yeah yeah. Yeah, I mean I've I, Go on, yeah. Dan. Dan. Yeah. Dan. 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 He, to be honest Dan. with you, he probably he probably would. I'll, I'll have a, I'll have a word of him. I'll have a word of him, see what he says. Okay. You need, if you needed a sign to see what era we're all from, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> all shouting Dan within yeah. seconds. Jack, you've been uh you've been sitting patiently. Where are you where are you at in terms of finishing the season or behind closed doors games or whatever? Um I think I'm with with the other guys really that it needs finishing but I think a kind of um, brief plan kind of skeleton plan needs drawing up sooner rather than later along the lines of if by the end of April we haven't resumed then we'll do this if by the end of May we haven't resumed then we'll do this Um, I think the big uh, the big tipping point is what they do with Euro 2020. Rumours suggest it's going to go back to next summer. Yeah, um, yeah. I did read something else that seems to be one possible option would be playing it in December, but I don't quite get how that would then work because that would disrupt next season um, mm. in addition. I, I think, don't think that really matters though, does it? I, think, well, I keep thinking this, about this. this like this The most the important thing. thing, finish this season is the most important thing and whatever knock-on impact yeah. is like a secondary concern, isn't it? I, well, yeah, I, this, this I, is I the thing. So you, yeah, you, you finish this season, let's say we're all sorted by the back end of July and you go, okay, I think you said this on Radio Oxford yesterday, you play each team once next year. Um, I'd scrap the tin pot trophy that takes up too many midweek nights so you can have them back for league games if needs be yeah. maybe even can the Carabao Cup for a year um, free, free up that time so that a season could be played yes altered but still competitively and it makes sense to run it as a league rather than just voiding it I don't think there's any point playing a season and voiding it at all that, that, there's no yeah. point to that I agree um, with that as well, Jack. I think that's the one that thing a lot of people are brought up about. Yeah, and that, that, as if you cut the thing. season, people are not going to take it seriously. But I think you know if that's written in place, and you know it's a even if we have to play a game, you know, we only play one team once, and that's it. You know, as long as as long as it's made sure that that is a proper league system, and that's how it's going to work for this one-off year. Yeah, people exactly. have to accept that. When, I, I seriously don't think that would happen, though. I get the impression that that just wouldn't happen. But I guess it's all it's all if buts and maybes, isn't it, with this sort of stuff? And also, this relies yeah, on the, the Euros obviously being pushed back as well. I think the one kind of theme that's coming out for me that hasn't or I haven't noticed it um, has been a topic of conversation is I found it very interesting that despite the FA being our governing body, it seems very much that the EFL were left to decide their own thing and then talk to the Premier League, who were also deciding their own thing. It just yeah, happened sure. to be that their their decision was postponed. Yeah. Then you had the National League board having their own meeting and they decided not to postpone, but then quite a few games in those various leagues were off anyway. You had the various Southern League, Northern League, Spartan, Midlands League, all these things. 
all their individual boards were left to their own decision. I would have thought that the FA as the governing body for English football would have had the kind of overriding, this is what we're doing um, approach. I I agree with you, and I'd, I'd love to have seen that happen. But let's be honest with you, the FA are... are uh, <laughs> They're inadequate in a lot of areas, and I'm the first person to criticise the FA um, with some of the the research I've done and whatever. And I, I generally think that actually the individual leagues, and well, EFL and Premier League, is actually doing making their own choices. I think was ultimately a, a smart decision. I think, and also, you know, you can add on top of this the government intervention with this because well, again, this was going to be my follow up. Yeah, yeah. Go on. In in that. So how do we get, how do we, how and who decides what happens? Because obviously government intervention, if they say, right, no mass events for the next two and a half months, then that sets that in precedent. But yeah. then come mid-May or whatever it is, and they say, okay, they can start again. Do the EFL take their own approach? Do the Premier League take their own approach? I don't know. I don't know what's the best way to do it or the worst way or whatever. But it, it just seems it could get incredibly messy with everyone doing slightly different things. Yeah. Um, I, it, I don't yeah. think that. I don't think that will play out. To be fair, I think it will be there'll be a, a level of unanimity around the divisions because it would just send fans into rapture. It um, would. Yeah. Speaking of sending fans into rapture. Karen Brady um, said, John, (laughs) the only fair and reasonable thing to do is declare the whole season null and void. Now, given that we're in third place in the league, this came up obviously with Jerome the other day. Um, What what would your view be on that? Let's say they, we got promoted as a result of finishing the league. I can't, to be honest, this sounds so ridiculous. There's no way this would happen, right? No, and um, I thought I was going to pass that one back for uh, Connor to have a dig at uh, Karen Brady because he's been chomping at the bit to, to do so um, pre, pre-chat and as I'm speaking. Um, no, it, it doesn't uh, seem... I mean, I, I was I was listening to... I listened back to your um, stuff yesterday and like I half agreed with you and I said I wouldn't feel almost right if we were promoted, but then on the other hand, I would, I would take it. But it just seems so... Um, it will just kind of demean and lose validity of of everything um i think it becomes about can we finish this season within a re- reasonable time frame and then next season just becomes a, a freak season that has to have many of the things like jack mentioned um brought yeah. into it um i think that one of the other dynamics which we just don't know how will play out but could be could get quite bad for is is around the players because they will be on contracts, some of them will have contracts beyond this season and will be fine. But some will be up to the end of June, end of the season. If this season drags on and clubs are hemorrhaging, there might be players that they have to go. Well, we can't offer you another few months yeah. because we need to save some money. And then there's players like Dickie and Brannigan who, whatever next season looks like, will be thinking, well, I'm, I'm. If my offer still stands to sign a contract with whoever from when my contract expires or from a point coming up, I might have to go and do that. Yeah. And then, and then do they then sign the extension that we offer them till the end of the year to finish the season? Um, so you're going to get into a position of not great things for players who are like squad players and clubs have to go, well, we just can't afford to keep you on. We're just going to grind our way through this season with 14 players. But equally, 
players have got to look to their next move. So um, that's one that I just, until we know when the season might start again, it, it could be a complete non-issue or a huge issue. Um, but we might lose Dickie and Brannigan without yeah. using, using them. That, that's going to be a massive... I was getting, I was trying to work out which players are actually out of contract at the end of this year. But yeah, that is that is a thing. But you'd, you'd still think the EFL would deploy some kind of guidance across that all clubs need to abide by to a degree but then i suppose each club's going to have their own unique circumstances so i'm probably just chatting crap there so the main the, the main thing that has really got me is that like as an oxford fan and again i think i said this yesterday on the radio like we where the last time we were in this position pushing for what was then division one and is now the championship was 25 years ago right mm. like this is this is rare. It's a rarity for us. And we are absolutely like on the train riding this like joyous, exciting season. And it's an absolute pain in the ass that has been paused in this way. But obviously there's bigger, bigger things yeah. Yeah. Um, going on. But like, again, back to what I said earlier, my only real view on this is the season has to conclude. They have to EFL or the clubs need to be in a place where players aren't running off at the end of um, May, like as we hit June, because they want to sign with other clubs. Surely they would push transfer windows back. Surely they'd find a way to support clubs you would you would expect in terms of the monetary side of contracts oh, ticking over and stuff. I um, wonder if you could get... Go on, Jack. I wonder if you could... <laughs> this is a f- far too simplistic take on it, but... I wonder if you could get in a situation a bit like this sounds ridiculous. Um, a bit like <laughs> renting a house. So you, you sign your fixed term contract for a year, say, and then you go rolling monthly up until the point that you want to leave. Could they say the players that are all out of contract on June the thirtieth or whatever the date is? Could clubs potentially have the option to say, okay, Jamie Mackey? Um, We've still got five games left to play. They're all going to be played in July. You're technically out of contract now, but we'll give you another month's contract until those five games are done because we need you in the squad. Um, Or is it a case that players and potentially agents um, say, well, actually, no, sorry, my contract ended on June the 30th. I'm going now. And I think this is something that needs to be set up and agreed almost now before we know when the season's going to be, so that when it gets to June the 30th, I can't see any way that the season will be done by then. Everyone knows what's happening and we don't end up having this conversation in three months' time going, oh, blimey, we lose five players on Tuesday. Yeah. Do you, do you think the EFL need to put a blanket like rule or something in place that means that any, any players that are contracted to the end of the current season... I, oh, I don't know. I don't it's, know. A mon- I, I, it's a monetary it's, thing, isn't it? Well, I, exactly. It's a, li- I think it's a livelihood thing as well. There's, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah there's, exactly. There's stuff outside the players as well. There's all the commercial stuff. Because I imagine, say, our sponsorship deal with Singer, for example, could in principle run until, I don't know, July the 3rd. And Singer say, whichever way, oh, well, you've still got games left to play. We want to sign another deal. And we might say, well, hold on. We don't know if you, we want you as our sponsor next season. Yeah, we want Anna Malati's yeah. back. Yeah, well, or Black and Browns. <laughs> or... <laughs> and it's, it's the same same with the cup competitions because the League Cup changes sponsor every two years or so. So that might run. It's bizarre. The, can we, it's can, such can an we... unprecedented time. 
Can we get Dave Kitson back as well, please? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. Never has a kit like made you think of a player as much as that animal <laughs> It's kit just because the Kitson. it's because the kit just set his hair even more on fire. Like as if it was even possible. <laughs> that kit was awful on him. That was like the worst possible year for him to play for us. <laughs> that kit. Oh, oh, well, but can I can I quickly it... just can I quickly just have my two cents on Karen Brady? Oh, dear. Do you have two uh, words? No, 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 I won't. No, 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 I won't. I won't swear. And I and I respect Karen Brady a lot, but I do think this her tweet that um, she put out about this. I, I do think pers- at the time that it came out, I think it's ridiculously early to start even talking about this sort of stuff. To be brutally honest, because there's so much that must go on between various governed bodies, the government, etc., before anyone can even start suggesting possible outcomes, because we're all in this kind of up-in-the-air situation at the moment. I think one thing that kind of annoyed me, and I think a lot of other fans said this, that if, if Karen Brady was, you know, or sorry, if West Ham were in the Champions League, you know, positions, would she be going out and saying, oh, we need to null and void the season? You know, it's just like, is there internal motives behind her statement because of West Ham's no, position. No, not at all, Connor. No, not at all. Definitely not. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was a bit OTT with what she said. And I don't think the season should be null and void. Um, although, again, it's like we've said, we have no idea how long this is going to last. We could be talking a matter of, we could be talking a matter of 10 weeks or we could be talking a matter of 10 months. So final question on this before we try and wrap up by talking about something to do with football again. Um, John, if they if they came out and said in four to six weeks' time, uh, we'll be able to start the season again. I think, like Jack, you were saying, maybe if there's some kind of um, timeline set out where they say, in if we can't, if there's still a problem within four weeks, then we'll agree to play games behind closed doors. If they're... Or if things are better, then obviously you can let fans in, whatever. But if if it came to that, John, would you do you think that's something that fans would accept the behind closed doors approach? Uh, I think I think fans would accept it, and you could do some stuff with I follow and all that. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I think the players' um, safety's got to come into it from that because they they've still got to play, and as we all know, it's. They can still be at risk through through doing that. I mean, games behind closed doors as well are, are pretty soulless as well. So I think you've just got to continue to to wait it out and have your six, twelve, eighteen week plan of what you're going to do. So I, I probably wouldn't be in favour of it going I've, behind yeah. closed I've doors. Just, that's the right answer. I've just I've just seen something on on BBC. I've got it in front of me now that the uh, the Scottish Football League have said um, that they're facing the call whether or not to um, call the season null and, null and void. And um, I've just, just reading here that they've spoke to the um, the, the chief executive of, of the um, the Scottish League. And he said that um, he said that we don't see how titles, promotions or relegations can be agreed on on any basis of sporting fairness. And perhaps prize money can be split on the basis of the current table. Um, but the league should be ruled void and we should start next season um, as we as we uh, commenced this one. So no they'll get that's they'll get that's... whacked for TV money though. Surely they'll get absolutely yeah. hit by the broadcasters for doing that if they voided it. Surely. 
which I'm yeah, pretty sure I mean, no like, one watches Scottish football. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he closes off here by saying, um, making the season void is the best of a bunch of bad options. Oh, that is not true. So, <laughs> but I get, yeah. So, I mean, again, you know, it's it's one of the, it's it's interesting to see how this plays out behind. When I say behind fans' backs, what I mean is obviously away from any input of fans. And we know full well that English football, in particular, has a very high uh, number of like active or, or act, uh, fan activism involved um, across the board that focus on many issues inside of football and also outside of it. So it'll be very interesting to see whether or any of the decisions that actually get made, how fans react to this as, as a you know as a collective of fans. It will be it'll be very interesting how it plays out. But again, you know, there's obviously bigger issues to that's got to occur before this, and you know. But in terms of the football side of things, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, right. Let's. Uh, we're going to do a few on this days just so we can go to bed happy. Actually, having said that, I just realised most of these on this days are horrible. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'll take yeah. us through this. Um, so I thought let's we need to find some positive stuff for the pod later. I'll see if there's a classic on this day that we used to do a few pods back to get us all warm and fuzzy. It seems we're cursed in March regardless. So I'll whiz through some of these. <laughs> so, you know, in 2009, roughly around this weekend, we lost to Hayes and Yedding which was the famous Steve Basham with scoring both goals. 2011, we lost to Stevenage at home. 2013, we lost to Chesterfield at home, then lost to Northampton two days later. In 2014, we appointed Gary Waddock and then lost 3-0 away to Chesterfield. Twenty fifteen, we lost at home to Hartlepool. Oh, was that the horrible? That was, yeah. Was that Chesterfield one the horrible one? It was. Um, I think Jack, you mentioned you clocked it. It was two sendings off in three minutes. New Ian Reigns. I think it yeah. was, and um, yeah. So that I, that was a horror I show. I went to that game. It was, yeah. Just <laughs> Speedily moving on to the, I'm getting to the good ones. Honestly, keep keep listening. So 2015 lost at home to Hartlepool, of course. 2016, well, beat Dagenham and Redbridge four nil with a roof hat trick, and then we beat Barnet away three nil, mm. which was one Hilton scored, and I remember that Barton Barton Barnet win was absolutely massive at the time. So do you should we talk about that? Let's let's just sort of do you remember the Bardic game, anyone? Did anyone go? Or I certainly remember the it feeling like a massive moment after we won it. Oh, I don't remember. No, I went I to Barnet like four times in a row, I think, and I didn't go to this one. Yeah. Is this the one where Ododa Oduda Odowda scored twice? <laughs> Oh, Duda. <laughs> yeah, it is. I just Googled it. Yeah, I went to that game and I remember it because there was a steward that looked like Trevor McDonald and all the Oxford fans started singing, Oh, Trevor McDonald. <laughs> See, this is what we needed. Can, can, we, can we do this as, as all four of us now? No. Uh, oh, what? <laughs> oh, what a little sing song. Spoil sport. I'm- I'm just thinking of me trying having to edit that back to sync up with your. <laughs> That's why. So, it's one of the only games George Waring started for us as well. There's a pointless fact for you. Big lad. Yeah, Big lad. Can't, can't deny that one. Um, let's finish with another warm and fuzzy one, which was uh, 16th of March last year. Jamie Mackey scored for us to beat Bradford at home, which 
well, we can all remember was tense and much needed oh, victory. Was that, was was that the was that the goal? That really controversial goal the, against Bradford. Yeah, yes. it was. Yes, absolutely, it was. It was, yeah, it was yeah. the it was the Mac. It was the Mac game. What, didn't they get a penalty? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, yeah. It, it went from possible penalty to corner to goal kick to did the ball go outside the box <laughs> to <laughs> both linos arguing to the ref not knowing to the goal being awarded then not awarded then awarded again then not awarded. It was think, mental. Yeah, pure pure uh, Mackie Gate. That does that feels like a lot longer than a year ago, doesn't it? Yeah, it's oh, not just me. No, I, th- I thought no, I thought the opposite. I thought it really felt like bloody yesterday that happened. Really? Yeah. Again, only... it's back to the whole thing with this season, yeah. though. Like we were in such a dire position um, until that Bradford game was a massive, massive result, wasn't yeah, it at the time? It, and it's weird yeah. to think. How we were celebrating for such such different reasons at the time. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Just goes to prove how good this season's been, really. <sighs> Thanks, John. Here for Speak- the um, yeah, Speaking of how good our season's been. Yes, Connor. Oh, I thought I was leading you into the next section, James. It was a perfect setup. I mean, the next section is finishing the podcast. <laughs> I thought I thought thought we were going to talk about season summary. I don't think I don't really want to sum up. No. The reason why I had some of that in um, the initial notes is because we were in a place where um, I was I was expecting that looking at last season, looking at this, would be inter- an interesting comparison. I think we've done it in recent pods, but it was mainly because when I was on Radio Oxford the other day, I expected oh, we be were, focusing on. Were you on Radio Oxford yesterday? I, yeah, what kind of yeah, was? Yeah, it's it yeah, amazing. You haven't mentioned it, James. <laughs> but I, I expected we'd be talking about um, the season to date, and not. I didn't think it would all be based on coronavirus. So that's why those notes are sat there. The season, this is all great. The season is not yeah, over. Great. <laughs> the season is definitely not over. Yeah, we are not summarising yeah. the season heard, at this moment in time. You've heard it here first. <laughs> the Tut Manor boys have decided Oxford season is not finished. <laughs> The one thing I will do is I'll put the updated uh, League One running out on Twitter again. It's it's worth looking at that. And again, based on the context of what's going on and how sassy different clubs will get and how many legal cases will be put in place if they just concluded the season now and awarded promotions and put people into relegation positions or whatever. Like Fleetwood and Peterborough have got such such easy runs on paper to a degree and then you've also got teams like Wickham and Coventry have got games in hand as well so there's just no way they're going to conclude the, the only way they would do the the finish the season now is if they just said null and void and start again with with the clubs in the division that they're in yeah but that's not going to happen guys uh w- we've got four and a half minutes left before we hit an hour I feel uncomfortable <laughs> I can't believe this <laughs> sure. do not want to sing a song or something oh we could we could, we could we could sing some Oxford songs, couldn't we? The the, the fence end have started talking about um, breakfasts and stuff. I, I feel like we're going to have to be somewhat creative going forward. Maybe, but what? Jerome asked me this when I was on Radio Oxford yesterday. <laughs> no, <laughs> really? He, he's, he said, like, what are you going to be talking about? And what I should have said is Oxford United have such a rich history that we've always got stuff to refer back to. So I'm sure there's always things that we can do. Jack, you had some all right ideas, didn't you? 
Yeah, we've got yeah. In in someone's just texted me saying, uh, "Are you still doing the podcast? You should write OUFC the musical in your next three episodes." <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's a big um, testament to our abilities. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, between be, between between the group of uh, the the group of us, I reckon we'd be able to do it. I also think, um, uh, the, uh, yeah, for people who have listened this far in for this podcast, I think we should put something out on Twitter and have kind of some suggestions from. From the kind of the listening base of, of what you think that we could we could talk about in the next couple of weeks because clearly we're going to be lack, yeah. lack we're going to be lacking football content in terms of being on the pitch and whatever but there's you know like you say James there's plenty of Oxford chat that we could bring up so you know maybe stick some things some suggestions on on Twitter for us that's a good shout if we did do a musical who John who would be the damsel in distress which Oxford player um. <laughs> I quite like the idea of um, Alex Gorin. I think he could do a. Come I on. think he could do a sad emotional who, face. Who's, who's dramatic? I think he's just le- he's left. He's... Alex Gorin was there. Gorin. I, I think. I think John's tactically breaking. <laughs> he is, yeah. He's got Dalek eyes. <laughs> he's going Dalek, so he doesn't have to put any player on the on the damsel in distress. I think. Pedestal. I think. He's, so I, think I he's reckon Jamie Mackey would make a good Fagin from Oliver Twist. <laughs> yeah, strong. There we go. Maybe that's what we end up doing. We we say what players should go into which role roles in which films. There we go. That's at least. An hour next time. Yeah. John John, Mas- John Massinio is definitely a James Bond. We kind of did this for the um, Christmas Carol um, anyway. Oh, yeah. Who was Mary? Sam Long was the sheep. Maybe. Anyway, I think, um, Connor, that's a good shout. If anyone's got any ideas and you're still with us after this rambling 10 minutes we've just had, <laughs> then um, yeah, please send them across. We'll take all feedback very seriously. Um, right. Cheers for listening, everyone. Um, have a good week. Um, stay safe and healthy, obviously, and uh, we'll catch you next time. never be mastered by those covert bastards we'll keep the yellow flag flying high forever and ever <laughs>